welcome back to TCAP. Mark, um, I'm not wearing a team shirt today, but Mark is in his jazz gear as always. Not um, always. I, I boycotted them for like two weeks. You did boycott them for two weeks. I forgot about that. I'm back now. It's been two years of just jazz t-shirts. And so two weeks was merely a blip on my radar. <laughs> also, we have like five guys playing the Olympics. I'm cheering for them. None of them on Team USA, which we'll talk about later. So I'm, I'm actually cheering for the other countries in that in that matchup. Mark, where's your patriotism? Not for Team USA. I'm done with those guys. We'll talk about that later. I don't like any of those guys. I know. I, I, have, I have some thoughts about it as well. But first, before we talk about that, let's talk about some other matters of uh, international importance, namely the Cubans. So this weekend, Cuba, <laughs> I mean, I, so I went to Cuba years ago, loved it, thought it was so much fun, did not enjoy spending money there because I did not want to support a communist economy, but I, um, I'm a big fan of the Cubans just deciding that they were sick of communism. I mean, as America's deciding to get more into the socialist game, Cuba's like, hey, we tried it and our lives suck. And honestly, I'm, I'm all for it. Way to go, Cubans. March for that freedom, baby. Yeah, I think what's really interesting is that it's, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's easy for us to march for stuff here. We don't have to worry about, you know, getting killed. We don't have to worry about, these people are like putting their lives at risk by marching for freedom. This is not the same thing as a rally, you know, a rally here. Right. Like that's, you know, you know, you're safe, you know, nothing's going to happen to you. You know, it's like, it's protected speech and everything. Like for them to do that, they are literally putting their lives at risk. And you can tell how important you know, freedom is that they're willing to actually, you know, put everything on the line just to show people that that they're they're being mistreated there. I know things are really shaken up in the in the Caribbean these days. The the Haiti, the president of Haiti being assassinated, and now the Cubans are marching. Like things are really shaken up down there. And you have to wonder, I, I haven't kept as much of tabs on it as I probably should, but you have to wonder what has happened that has made people say, we're tired of corrupt government, we're tired of communism. And, you know, I'll never agree with violence, but I do agree with people marching to get their point across. And these guys are, these guys are done with what they've been getting for the last however many years. And it is, I, I think it's interesting that, I mean, the Biden administration has basically said, if you come from Cuba, you will not be allowed in here. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like they're open to other people coming in, maybe because the Cubans aren't their voter base. I don't know the answer because, I mean, they, they, they tend to vote Republican when they come here. But it's just an interesting it, it's an interesting issue where you kind of have the, the left that seems to be very, you know, pro-immigration, pro and like now they're like, oh, no, no Cubans. Like, we don't want that. And then the right, which kind of seems to be the opposite way. And like, oh, yeah, come on in. Like, you're escaping that that in Hong Kong. You don't so like just, communism? It, come on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting it's an interesting thing. But um but yeah, I mean, it's great to see that. And and there is a reason that, I mean, that when Cubans come here, they vote a certain way. It's because like they want the farthest thing from this communist regime they can have. And it's, I mean, they know something's wrong and it's it's awesome. Because like, you have to wonder, would you have the guts to go out and march if you knew you could no. die? No, I'm just going to be honest. No. If I was old, maybe if I felt like it. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's like a tough thing. I got thing. a lot like, of life ahead of me. I got a lot I know. of if, Are you, although it's not much of a life there, but are you willing to like literally put your life at risk? You know, it's hard. I mean, under a communist regime, it's not much of a life. Are you saying that I don't have much of a life? To, like, oh, no, no, no. I'm saying for the Cuban people. No, also, I agree. You don't have much of a life. I'm saying that they don't, have, it's not like they have a real life anyway. It's like they're under this communist regime. So it's like, you know what? This is worth it, but it's, it's still a brave thing to do. So I mean, I give them credit for that. 
That's so true. I remember when I was there, we were riding in a van back from the airport and it was me and one of my American friends and the Cuban police pulled up next to us and they're like military police. They have the red star on the side of their vehicles and our driver turned around and said, sit very still and don't draw attention. Like it's a, it's a beautiful place, but it's a really scary place. And anything that they can do to improve the quality of their lives and just get their voices heard on the national international stage. I'm all for it. I think it's- And you went there. I mean, you went there, if I remember correctly, pretty much right after it opened, didn't you? like a couple of weeks after, like we didn't know if we would be able to get in. Like, yeah, I don't think I would have done that. I mean, you, you have more more guts than me on that one for sure. It was a little bit dangerous, but <laughs> it was a great experience to have, especially now that we're seeing what's going on, you know, being able to speak to it um, as it was. It's it's very, very humbling to live in America and know that we have the freedoms that we, that we do have. Um, let's bring things a little closer to home. So Ron and Jason actually wrote a policy brief recently comparing the responses to COVID of freer, more open states like Georgia and Tennessee and more closed states like Kentucky and Michigan. So let's rewind it, take it back a little bit. At the beginning of the pandemic last year, the Kentucky governor um, thought it would be fun to compare responses of Kentucky and Tennessee. Kentucky was very shut down. Tennessee was pretty open. And he said, basically, don't go to Tennessee unless you want to die. Okay, that was dramatic. Then we got wind of that and we didn't like that Tennessee was being painted in this light. And so we decided to start collecting data and see if over time his extreme announcements were warranted or a little too dramatic, like I said. And what we found was it was too dramatic. Tennessee that prioritized lives and livelihoods is now thriving in the response of how our economy is doing, having prioritized both. And Tennessee and Kentucky's still lagging behind in its economic recovery. And what we saw was one response that was solely focused on public health and safety and another response that balanced that with the economy and the one the one that Tennessee took that balanced both actually saw better returns on both sides isn't that right yeah we didn't actually just do it because of his comments I mean we wanted to actually see which responses sure. worked and which things we also compared Georgia and Michigan to that which is kind of Georgia's very similar to us and yeah. and really the results which I mean you'll see the full report you can see the full numbers will be released next week sometime but they showed that Essentially, the, the, the COVID cases, the amount of people got COVID was essentially the same in all four of the places, despite two being completely shut down and two that were not. Um, I mean, I don't think exactly, but very close, but you can see the economic impact of what it cost, the unemployment rate that people gave up looking for jobs in, in Kentucky and Michigan, it was, it was awful. And Georgia and Tennessee both had much more stable numbers. And it's still, there's job losses, but not even close to what it was. And I know that even, um, I guess it was last week or two weeks ago that our unemployment, the, the people who asked our unemployment insurance was th like the lowest it's been in forever. Um, and part of that's because we also stopped taking the $300 federal unemployment, um, extra unemployment thing yeah. for COVID. So it's a, um, it's a cool report. We're kind of finalizing it now so you get to see it, but you can see all the specifics, but it does show there's a lot more. Um, people kept talking about how, you know, one, these states want to kill people. It's like the numbers essentially were the same of people who got COVID cases, which is all you can really control when you're talking about that. Right. Um, but the economic numbers were drastically, drastically different. And especially between, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky, where right next to each other, same type of population. I mean, ours is bigger, but like same type. And it's, it was a substantial difference. So it's a great report. We're excited for everyone to read it next week. I know. Yeah. One thing that you said that I want to be sure we touch on before we move on is it's not just unemployment. It's the labor force participation numbers. People who are 
not even looking for jobs. So unemployment measures people who are looking for jobs who can't find one. When people drop out of the workforce completely, that's not reflected in unemployment numbers, the numbers that we hear about on the news all the time. That's reflected in like labor force participation numbers. And there are some startling statistics that you'll start seeing here on our Facebook page that that came out of our study, which shows how Tennessee's labor force participation is dramatically different from Kentucky's after the responses were so different. So I'm really looking forward to getting that out there because it just goes to show that lives and livelihoods prioritizing both ultimately leads to better outcomes for all. So we've harped on it for a year. And, and it's a, one more thing. I want to say one more thing, but it's important to remember, not just because of what happened, but it's like when something similar happened in the future and yeah. you have these same people, it's like, you need to use these data points because this is something, should, look what actually happened. Because guess what? People on one side think that what they did was right. People on the other side think what they did was right. But if you actually have numbers to show that next time it happens, you're like, well, look, we have this. You can choose to ignore it if you want, but like we have these numbers to show. Yes, yes, exactly. And that segues into our next topic perfectly. Did I read somewhere that Tokyo is not allowing fans at the Olympics? I think so. That sounds right. That is so sad. That is so sad that they're not going to allow fans. limited fans or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's no fans. Yeah, yeah, it might be no fans. I that is so that's so sad. I wish that they were hosting the Olympics here in Nashville because we would we would oh, have fans. I was at a concert just recently. You don't you do not wish we were hosting the Olympics in Nashville. We wouldn't be able to move for like three weeks. That's so true. I mean, it would be fun to go though. I remember my parents went to the ones in Atlanta that and they said that it was the time of their lives. I would have sold my apartment for about five thousand dollars a night and get out get out of here if that happened. Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd have gone home, packed to Alabama, and let the let everybody come stay in my house too. Um, so Team USA is I think the biggest or the second biggest delegation that the U.S. has ever sent, more women than men for the first time, I think, ever. But the basketball team, the one team that Mark cares about. Okay, first of all, let's just put out there what we really care about in the Olympics. I will be watching diving, swimming, gymnastics, the track events, not the field events, the track events, and golf. Mark, what do you care about? Just basketball. I might okay. Just basketball. I, I will say that one of the one of the moments of my life that I remember is like me and my mom late at night watched that. You're you're too young to remember it probably, but that Carrie Strug when she like broke. She was the gymnastics girl from the U.S. She like broke her foot. Broke and her ankle won. and did yeah. anyway. I know, and then and and one. Yeah, I remember like her made the U.S. win. I remember we were watching my mom and I were here the other day watch one of our favorite things to do is Olympics and since I've moved to Nashville we don't get to watch sports as much as often so we got up early when she was here visiting and watched the men's gymnastics trials while we drank our coffee on the 4th of July and they kept replaying the clip of her coach carrying her off the mat after she competed in vault from that it was absolutely wild so I love to watch gymnastics I love to watch Simone Biles but since you only care about basketball I'll leave all of my Olympic talk for the next three weeks because team usa is uh not quite living up to expectations so far uh, the huge favorites i mean you have literally you know 10 15 of the best players in the nba that, that played on this team versus a bunch of guys and it hasn't started yet but they lost a uh kind of an exhibition match to nigeria they were a 30 point favorite um jazz player mayo oni is on nigeria so that was good then they went out and they're like, okay, it's an exhibition game. That's insane. They lost that. And all their, like Kevin Durant, everyone was doing bad. Then they go out the next day and they lost to Australia and jazz player, Joe Ingles. Um, so the jazz are doing well. Um, <laughs> and they did win their last one, but it was against Argentina. who's like, Oh, and three. So they were like these, it was supposed to be kind of a foregone conclusion that they were, that they were going to win. You know, the, the next lowest person, the next highest odds were, 
like 12 to one. They were like minus a thousand. So it's not even supposed to be closed. And they have struggled mightily so far. And okay. now like people have some real like concerns, some heartburn about this thing. It should have been an easy gold medal that it might not be. And so it's interesting to see. And well, Greg Hopkins took care like, did they just go to Tokyo and party and they're like all hung over now? Like, what's the deal? So, so, so the excuse is they, these guys are the best players in the world, but they haven't played together. So they don't have that like team structure that some of the other teams like, you know, if you're because I mean, a lot of these guys aren't in the NBA. So they played for their country teams for the past six years. But it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Two embarrassing losses. Um, Australia is not too bad, but Nigeria is not good. They were a 30 point underdog for a reason. So it's really concerning. And, and the captain of the woke police, Greg Popovich, is their coach. So I got to be honest, like, I always cheer for the USA. I'm, I'm not, I don't really like the guys in the team. And, and I like the Jazz players. I'm not cheering for them in basketball. I don't want them to win. Yeah, I don't know if they deserve it after that. I mean, I'll always cheer. It's, and it's all the people who are like just always talking about politics. And like, it's, I'm just annoyed by it. And I'm just done with it. I, I, I mean, I'm cheering for, I don't know, maybe probably Nigeria or Australia. Those are the two. I, I like them. They have a jazz player on them. They work hard. It just, I, I always cheer for the U.S., but not in, not in basketball. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I, I kind of don't blame you there. I mean, I'll always cheer for the U.S., but basketball, professional basketball in the U.S. has gotten so woke that I'm just like, you guys, you guys need to get your priorities straight. Instead of getting out there and making social justice messages, yeah. practice. Yeah. <laughs> just do some free throws, people. Um, yeah, I agree with you, but I'm excited. And new jazz players. If Donovan Mitchell would have played, I might be thinking about it, but there's no jazz players in the team, so I got to cheer for France or yeah, Nigeria or somebody I like that. I behind France. Yeah, the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert is on that team. Also the coolest nickname in sports. Yeah, that is a really cool nickname. He blocks a lot of shots, so it, like, it makes sense, and he's from France. I didn't know that was a thing, but that probably is one of the coolest nicknames I have yes. actually ever heard. <laughs> I'll save all my Olympics commentary for the next few weeks because... I'll not talk at all, so we can do that. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the Olympics the next few weeks because Mark has silenced me today on the British Open and on Wimbledon. I'm not going to talk about them and saving my cred to talk about. I like how your sports section is just talking about things that aren't real sports. That's what you want to do. Golf. I mean, <laughs> golf and soccer and Don't. tennis and weird Olympic sports. Okay. It's all sports. Somebody back me up here. If you're listening to this, back me up here. Golf and tennis are in fact sports. They are sports. I mean, I, I, I but like they're sports. Wimbledon, like Wimbledon is like the event. In, in like the UK, not in, nobody cares in America. Oh my gosh, everyone. Their ratings probably get, they probably get less ratings from that than like a NASCAR race or like an NBA preseason game. I mean, I, I guarantee it. Like I the ratings are probably awful for that in the US. Okay, well, we hosted a brunch at our house Sunday morning and we had the TVs playing Wimbledon in every room because it was that important. Because you're to, trying to be bougie is why. No, because it's important. And the guy from Italy who won, oh, very handsome. Who won? Uh, I mean, he came in second. Novak Djokovic won, and then Matt, I can't pronounce his last name, came in second, and he is very, very cute. <laughs> Don't care. But yes, no, nobody really watches. Your household, maybe, but otherwise, not really. The British Open, people watch. It's boring, but people do watch. Don't give you that. But uh, Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about it. People watch it. Mark just likes to I actually bet. I actually bet on, I had a free bet. I bet on Bryson DeChambeau to win. Gross. That's 900 bucks if he wins. Sorry, no, that's a hot take. I just don't like him. No, I mean, I think everyone hates him, don't they? Isn't that kind of his thing? No, my mom loves him. Really? My mom thinks he's very cute and very sweet and very smiley, and she likes his demeanor. Oh, I think my dad likes him too, but I think else, I think everyone else hates him. Like, people talk trash on him all the time. I think our generation hates him. And then the Brooks-Bryson feud was just like... And ESPN has really taken off on like Team Brooks on that, it seems like. Yeah, but it's like everyone else is like, these are two players that everyone hates. So like, let's just let them, like, let them eat each other alive and then see what happens. 
I know. So I'm not really, I don't watch golf. And I don't care about this, but it seems like Brooks is kind of annoying. Like he just like always wants to talk about him. Like it's like, he's obsessed with this guy. He, Brooks, Bryson and Patrick Reed. I can just, let's just put them all three in a room and see which one comes out alive. Like just we, the world is only big enough for one of them. Patrick Reed's like that, the, the, like the bro, right? Like the, like the sure. fraternity bro is like, like a shark tooth necklace years ago while he played Gosh. golf. She's <laughs> not cute. Did you get Alabama? No. Oh, he seems like it. Gross, Mark. That's mean. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he's clearly from the South and like he just seems like an Alabama type person. He's not one of us. Oh, he went to Georgia, actually. Yeah, exactly. Gross. <laughs> yeah, he's one of Tell me, Jason, that you hate him. He's he's one of them. Yeah. yeah okay, fine. <laughs> um, so I guess that kind of qualified as our fun topic, but we're having another fun topic for the week. I'm back on my true crime grind. I have been listening to true crime podcasts nonstop. I'm especially interested in sociopaths right now. Um, I know that's really a hot take. Sounds like dating wise, maybe as well, but. Okay, you're not wrong, but I don't you're like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't like the dirty laundry aired all over, all over the internet. Um, I'm really interested in learning more about sociopaths so I can spot them and flee from them. Um, I listen, <laughs> I listened to one the other day called something was wrong. And I'm, I'm bringing this up because Mark has had success on dating apps. I have never been on them because of podcasts. Like something was wrong where a girl meets a guy. She thinks everything is right. She meets him on the dating app. This girl got engaged to the guy. And then three days before their wedding, she realized that something was terribly wrong, called off the wedding and he was a sociopath. And so I can't decide. That wasn't the Netflix guy, right? That wasn't like no, the, different guy. Different okay. Guy. There's see, there's a lot of them out there. Yes. So here's Some what I want drummers your... I've heard too. What? Some of them are drummers I've heard. I don't know. I just need to, I wish the earth would just swallow me alive. Um, I, all, all I need to know from Mark is, am I doing the right thing by making myself aware that these men are out there and they could very easily kill me or manipulate me? Or should I just kind of be blind to reality and live a happy life, not paranoid around every corner? I think both those are wrong. I think that the, just like we tell everyone else to do, it's like, why don't you actually look at the statistics, right? And if you look at it, it's probably a very, very, very small percentage of people actually do that. So knowing it's out there, but not really change your behavior. It's the same thing as gun violence, right? We say, oh, you can't, you can't walk in the street because everyone's dying or I mean, whatever the government makes you or, or COVID is going to kill every single person. It's like, you can have it um, both ways. And I feel like you, you don't have to pick one of these two exaggerations. You can say it's good to be aware of, but understand that almost nobody's like that. There is that. And if you can spot the signs, it's good, but just be realistic about it. But like you said, I have a really bad track record. And I just, I listened to one about Scott and Lacey Peterson the other day. And when I got out of my car, I like ran from my car to the door because I'm pretty sure that Lacey was killed in her backyard after listening to this podcast. And yeah, you're just, somebody who like one story will make you feel like everything's like that for at least a yes. day or two, it seems like. Yes, there is no, like I'm very extreme. It's either like they're all men are sociopaths or no one's a sociopath. Yeah, you can probably work on that a little bit, but okay. <laughs> What is there, what are some of your favorite true crime things? Are yours less scary than mine? No, I mean, so I, I'm not into true crime that way. I, I like kind of like the, I mean, not like, but I'm interested in like the murders, their unsolved murders. Like Up and Vanished was a really good one. Actually, the Kurt did the Curtis Flowers one was super good, which is what is that? That's the season two of Up and Vanished. Oh, but it's a it was a basic a death penalty case in Mississippi. Um, that was this huge thing and there's a lot of but but essentially he basically got put away and he clearly didn't do it it was 
pretty obvious, but it doesn't like they go through it and it actually is all in real time. And it just, I think they just kind of something just happened like three months ago, like when it ended. So I would listen to that. Season okay. one was good. I think season season one was good. Cause like you didn't know what happened, but, and, and like making a murder. Right. I really enjoyed that when that came out uh, the staircase. I mean, I like stuff like that. I like more of like the mysteries like, Oh, did he do it? Did he not do it? Who did it? If not him. Yes. I, I like to go on crime junkies and see where it says like, at the beginning of every crime junkies episode, they have it typed out where it says like murdered or missing or whatever. So you know what kind of the story is about. Like, you know what you're kind of going to hear. Um, but here's, here's another question for you, Mark, when it comes to true crime, do you prefer to watch or to listen? Oh, that's a good question. I pay more attention when I listen. Yes. I think about details stuff like that. It's kind of cool to have on the background while you're doing other stuff though. But I mean, sometimes you don't catch all the details, but I think listen, because especially when you're on like a longer road trip, I mean, you can go eight hours and like, you're, you're like, Oh wow. How did I get here already? It's like, that was eight hours. I mean, right. and you just listen to a cool. And it's, yeah. So yeah, I'd say listen, but I, same, same visual scares me. I feel like if I see it, then I can like picture it while I'm home alone and I get like more freaked out, but hearing it doesn't, doesn't really do that to me as much. And my roommate was making fun of me. And this is my last question. Then we'll cut it off. Wait, the worst thing is like the reenactments though, that you're like, those people, it it, it makes it not scary at all because these are the worst actors in the world. And like, it's so dumb. Like, this is not how it went. And like, this guy looks ridiculous. Yes. And that blood is clearly like strawberry jelly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay. This is my last question and then we'll go. But my roommate was making fun of me because she likes like scary thriller movies, but hates true crime. And I hate scary thriller movies but love true crime and she says that that's weird because the thriller movies could never happen and true crime already has but my justification is like I said earlier that the thriller movies are just like paranormal and weird and I would rather not entertain that in my mind whereas the true crime has happened and I'd rather know what's out there so what do you think is the more logical approach or do you think we're both right that's a tough one actually so I think it's the thriller movies they they I think they try to keep it out of reality. So they try to make it as crazy as possible, which is scarier. Cause like they do things that even normal people wouldn't do to make it as scary as possible. So yeah. I get you there, um, but it is all fit. Fa- now there is some based on true stories, but for the most part, it's fantasy. Yeah. The scariest thing is a thriller that's based on a true story. Cause they make it, they make it scarier and it's something that actually happens. So yes. I'll go 50, 50 on that one. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I was hoping for a tiebreaker, but Brennan and I can both be oh. right. We, we'll, we'll love that. Okay. Well, now that I've gotten all my questions answered specifically about, um, my dating life. Thank you so much, Mark, for throwing that out there. Um, stay tuned for the paper next week, the research brief coming out. We'll talk more about the Olympics and everybody have a safe weekend. See you later.